0: In a world Mate Hold up We said we're done with the serious intros Who said? Well, we did I don't remember that well, I said it, and you're me, so, you know. Well, I don't care. In a world. Hey, I told you. We're keeping it light. You do it on your own then. Well, technically, I already am, so. Anyway, fuck yeah, pure wild flight, get it down ya, yeah. how good. Visit nzaerosports.com. I get to do the next one. Well, obviously, you are moron, we both do. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, Jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, He pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by. But Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilots. Ready, set, go. All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And uh, with the magic of the internet, I've got another amazing person on the other line to give us some insight on all kinds of cool stuff in regards to skydiving and, well, a little bit of everything. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do?
1: Hey, how are you going? Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Attila and um, I'm general manager of NZ Aerosports.
0: Attila with NZ Aerosports. So That's right, yeah. A lot of people just either smiled really big or got cold sweats thinking about the amazing stuff you guys are producing. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've got uh, – actually, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into the NZ Aerosport stuff first. I want to hear about you and how you got started in skydiving uh, and, well, basically anything extreme.
1: All right. So my father was also a jumper. Um, he actually stopped jumping before I was born, but he kept um, in contact with his friends. Um, and so I always heard the, the stories growing up. Um, and I thought, I'm, not, I'm not, never going to be able to do that. Hmm. And then one day, one of my friends just asked me if I want to go skydiving. And uh, without thinking, I remember I said yes. And that's when it started. I was 16 years old. Nice. But I'm, I'm from Hungary originally. So... Back then, it was a little bit different, um, different type of uh, course and, um, and the gear and everything. Hungary was a communist country. And the first jump course, it took two months. Really? So It's a little, <laughs> it's a little bit long. Yes. And we the gear was probably about 20 years behind what the rest of the world was jumping. Mm. So my first jump was in a military-style parachute. Um, it was chest Mounted reserve canopies. I packed my reserve for the first jump. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? You <laughs> packed your
0: reserve for the first jump?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was part of the course. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, we all learned. By the, time, by the time we went for the first jump, we packed it probably like you know, 10, 20 times.
2: Oh,
1: wow. Even better for the, for, the, for the fifth jump, we actually had to open the reserve on <laughs> the canopy and, uh, and land under two canopies.
0: Wait a two out was a requirement to for the course.
1: Yeah, for the fifth jump, not for the first.
0: (laughs) Oh, all all the way when you had that much experience. Holy shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, like um so that was um that was my first jump. Um after the first jump, actually I wanted to stop. I was just too scared. I wanted to go home. But probably because my dad was a jumper, I thought, okay, I'm gonna stay for these eight jumps. And you guys never going to see me again. <laughs> but um, yeah, by the time I get to there, I just couldn't wait any longer.
0: Was was there
1: a specific... Jumping was, jumping was-, was free. It was free? Yeah, it was free. So back then it was free. We didn't have to pay the government. Uh, it was part of government uh, military type of training. But it had its downsides because um, the, I, I used every opportunity in the first year to go to the drop zone, and I managed to do 27 jumps. Oh, wow. So they told, they, you, know, they told you when you can go after the jump, which plane you can go up, and w- what altitude, and what are you supposed to do in free fall. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit different, but um, hey, that's what everybody was doing. It was, um, it was still the same, you know, good bunch of people. Sure. Yeah, I had a time in my life. I was 16 years old, it was great.
0: Now, was there, because you said you were really scared when you first got started, was there a turning point? I mean, did, was there one jump where you're like, oh, that was it, I got it, I figured it out, or that wasn't as scary as I thought, or did you just push through because Dad used to do it?
1: Um, yeah, at the beginning, I just pushed through. So, first day, we did one jump, and the second day, we did two, and I was just, just really trained, you know, emotionally, physically, and I was like, oh, what am I doing here? Like, you know, I already tried this. You know, this thing is going to kill me. Mm. And, uh, but then the next day we did three jumps. And I don't know, it was just a nice day or, you know, something just clicked. Definitely not the jumping. There was, uh, there was, you know, you we were just doing um, static line jumps. They opened the door. I seen the light. I was jumping, you know, running to the door. And that was it. Right. That was kind of, I me. Mean, and so yeah, I don't know. I just um
0: now yeah. what
1: Something changed.
0: What was the mentality behind having you guys pack your own reserves and then open it on the fifth jump?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I often <laughs> wonder you know, back then it was normal. Like you know, they told me this is what you have to do. There was about forty new students on the drop zone, everybody did, did the same thing. So it was um it was normal. But, oh, yeah, only years later, I was wondering, like, you know, what the hell are we, doing? Right. we doing? Yeah.
0: Now, what did dad think of you jumping?
1: Oh, he, yeah, he supported me, you know, he supported me with everything that I was doing. Um, but when, uh, when I told him, I'm, I want to start jumping, he was really happy and he was really proud and like, you know he just helped me along the way, everywhere he could, you know, That's... he could. and. The funny thing is that, you know, he he stopped jumping before I was born, mm. but a couple of years after I started jumping, he came back and he started jumping again. Really? So, like, so we were like, you know, handing it back and forth. And mm. then my sister, you know, he she started jumping as well. So, yeah. That's a bit of a family thing.
0: Very cool. So now 16 is really, really young to get started in that as well. So especially if you got started and really got going with it, did you know you wanted to work in the industry like from the beginning?
1: No. Like, no, there was no industry right. in Hungary. So there's all jumping. So the first um, the first time when I seen real skydiving, it was a, in 1991. Uh, 1991, the World championship. Was in uh, Slovakia and all the um, the French four way team. They were the world champions at the time mm. and uh, German four way team and eight way team. They came to Hungary for training because they had a helicopter on the drop zone, and yeah, I was still jumping my uh, chest mounted <laughs> reserve. And these guys came with uh, I think um, the first ZP canopies came out in um, in ninety one, like you know saber mm. and uh, DT. B T pro or not B T. And you know, these guys were swooping those canopies and I was like, What's going on? Like, you <laughs> know, there's a totally different level of skydiving. Right. And I think that was the first time when I thought, Okay, there is something here that I like to do actually for uh, I like to learn that, I like to experience that.
0: Mm. Now, what was your first step into the because uh, you you see you see these first competitions and uh, especially coming from the background that you did it must have seemed like a whole brand new world uh what was your first dive into trying to get into skydiving working wise
1: oh uh, there was there was way later there was um um that was in ninety five when I started pecking but before that I was really lucky because um as the government changed, the whole carving scene changed as well, and there was like you know new opportunities. Mm. Um, that's when the first you know we could actually compete in four way the first time, and uh, we built a good team with my friends who were like you know 20 25 years old, and because there was no four way team before, we won the nationals straight away second year on the row, uh, second year um, on the first second competition oh, wow. we had four way in the national. And the government was supporting it. So I was twenty two years old and I was off to the vermeet to Arizona in uh in Norway. Wow. Um first jump first first time jumping outside of Hungary and straight away to Arizona. I mean, um that's an awesome drop zone. <laughs> yeah. I mean I- and it had to have been yes,
0: some, some serious culture shock to go straight from, you know, very small and, and very uh, isolated in Hungary to to Arizona.
1: I, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> I remember at the end of the competition, I was jumping, I was standing out there, and I didn't want to get back into the car. I didn't want to leave. And, um, yeah, my friend said, like, oh, don't worry, like, I'll come back. And, yeah, that's where I started actually packing in, um, in 95 or uh, 96. Wow. So, yeah, I did back and I, I spent a lot of time in um in Arizona. It's one of my favorite places actually.
0: So that was the first major competition and your first time jumping ever outside of Hungary was Eloy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean like all oh, we were shit on the competition. Yeah. You know, no doubt. Like, you know, we I think you know, we beat maybe two teams. Um but uh yeah, it was great. Oh, it had to be. And another Another funny thing on um, on, um, on the competition there is um, we were on the same plane with the New Zealand team at the time. I didn't speak any English, uh, but the whole, the Kiwi team and the Hungarian team, uh, we were on the same uh, same plane. So Joro, who became my boss and a good friend of mine later on, um, he was in the Kiwi in the New Zealand forward team. So we were sitting side by side, not at all. That we're going to work together um, years later in New Zealand. Well, it's yeah, it's It's cr- good. Uh,
0: it's crazy how, I, I, and it, I've talked about it before on the podcast, that the sport, to those of us that have been in it for a long time, feels like it's been around forever, but skydiving is still really pretty damn new.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah.
0: still very young, and, and I've been lucky enough to, to sit and talk to people that were my you know my heroes when i first started skydiving and and i've been lucky enough to jump with guys like lou sanborn i mean licensed d1 for christ's sakes uh and to be able to jump with someone that's you know at the, the you know, one of the basically the founding members of modern skydiving uh and he's still jumping how epic is that it's it's such a great sport in that
1: respect yeah yeah, yeah. and that was a different sport back then and the gear and uh you know, we can thank a lot for those guys. Oh, yeah. Um, they shaped uh, the gear and the, and the rules and everything for us.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of people that uh, that got the, the truly dangerous stuff out of the way. I was lucky enough to have Bill Booth on as well, and some of the stories that he's told just stand the, my hair on. And... <laughs> so now you did that first big competition in Arizona, and obviously by then you're completely hooked. So did you keep competing quite a bit?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I probably comp- competed on eight world meets total. Oh wow! Um, yeah, like most of them uh, in four way for uh, the Hungarian four way team, and then um, three times for the New Zealand four way team. And uh, I also did one uh, canopy piloting world meet in um, in Austria in Vienna in two thousand
0: and six. Man, oh man! I mean, you've kind of well, you've seen it all, especially considering you started you know, on rounds with belly reserves and to be where you're at now, especially working with, yeah. you know, I mean, do you ever just sit back and shake your head and go, holy shit, what a ride?
1: Um, Yeah, you often um, you often forget about that. But yeah, like, you know, time to time, like, you know, you look big and um, I tried a lot of things, you know, achieved quite a bit, so I can feel good about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, uh, just before this podcast, I was I was thinking about it that I jumped those gears which was like really like twenty years before our time in the in the eighties. There was really gear designed in sixties, seventies. And I also jumped uh, one of the first petras, if not the first petra. So it was a, quite a bit of a gap between the two.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely insane. You I, I don't even think you can compare the two. They're so different. Now, how did you end yeah. up um, going from you know a belly reserve to literally the cutting edge of canopy technology. I mean, that's it's astounding, really.
1: Oh yeah, that was um that was a long a long way. Um, so the next thing in uh, scattering for me, like the next big change, that um you know there was winter in Hungary, so I couldn't jump. And by then, that's all I wanted to do. You know, I was like twenty five and so we went to the states um to start packing and we ended up packing for the golden Knights. oh wow and um yeah yeah not and packing for them and traveling with them and jumping with them for years it was just amazing you know there was um um yeah i there was there was a huge step forward for me sure in carving, I got to know a lot of people in, um, on the scene. Uh, where they were jumping, that's where like most of the, the teams, like in Arizona, most of the teams from uh, from Europe and the rest of the world were training. Um, and we spend the whole, you know, winter there um, for years. So sure. I, lo- I love that. And then in '99, um, I went to Arizona for uh, for the world meet and I stayed there but then I was also doing tandems and a little bit of AFS so I wasn't just packing I was working on the drop zone um and then going back to Hungary working there doing tandems. so I was already working in the industry sure so, and that was that was like oh I was just chasing the summer um back and forth now one year after no please after, go ahead go ahead sorry I wanted to stay in in, in Australia. I, I, by then, I kind of like you know, I had enough of, um, of of traveling, and I really liked the the, the Aussie having scene. Mm. I had a I had a good job. Um, you know, I was jumping in Tugolo. I loved that place, mm. and I wanted to stay there, but couldn't because of visa. I couldn't I uh, couldn't get um, extend my work visa. I had to leave the country in the middle of the winter, and that's when I. I came to New Zealand. Um wow. I didn't want to go back to Europe, so I came to New Zealand. I got a work visa straight away. I got a job, and I was like, "Okay, I can, I can do this here." Um, this is a beautiful country. Oh yeah! And yeah, I've been, I've been here since 2002.
0: Well, New Zealand's uh, spectacular. I was very yeah. lucky in that I had the opportunity yeah. to go over and and spend one off season from the states, jumping uh, on the beach down in Paihia. Uh, and it was spectacular. I mean, such a stunningly it's, beautiful
1: it's, place. So that's where I was working in the of Islands.
0: You were okay. So I followed in your footsteps. Yeah, that was it. Was amazing. I was jumping yeah. for. Uh, um, I I don't know if it was your the operation that you were with, or I jumped for Davy and Kelly for for one uh, season.
1: No, that was that was before. But I did I did some jumps for them, um, on weekends. But yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was before that. It was oh, before that. What
0: a spectacular place!
1: Before, before, before aerosports, Before I started working for aerosports, I was working up in the Bay One and, oh. and um, I had a bit of a falling over with my uh, with my boss there. And that's when my first son was born. And yeah, I was looking for something something different, but scattering is all I all I knew since I was sixteen years old. Sure. So, yeah, um, you know, there was obviously, I uh, wanted to find a job in skydiving and I couldn't find a job on, a, on another job zone. And I already knew Joro and um, and the guys at Aerosports, and I just asked them, Hey, um, I have nothing to do. To, are you guys looking for anyone right now? And they said, Yeah, actually, we are looking for someone right now. Wow. So I started working there. So I was in, in uh, 2005.
0: Okay. Now I don't, I don't know a whole lot of history about NZ Aerosports. Um, I, it's, it's, I remember being surprised because uh, New Zealand didn't really hop on my radar for a long time in regard to skydiving. It had always just been the U S manufacturers and all that stuff. How did NZ Aerosports not only get started, but become, I mean, one of the leading canopy companies in the
1: world? Um. So Joro, who is the founder of um Enzo Aerosports, um, he was um he was a jumper and he just wanted to make ends meet and um, you know all he wanted to do is skydive. and to finance his um his jumping, he didn't have a job. Hmm. He started making uh logbook covers and uh, jumpsuits and uh, gear bags at first and then um he made a a portrait for himself um, and it actually worked just just a copy and then he he, his friends asked like you know would you make one for me as well and then so he made few and he's a real thinker um you know he was a he was a real genius and so he he started thinking oh I, i think like you know i can i could do this a little bit better so he he started tweaking uh those canopies and they actually they actually they got better so yeah. um, he started making more and more and that's when he actually um in eighty eighty five eighty six um, in the aerosports was born and um and um he started making Icarus canopies by joro
0: wow i mean the 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 balls. <laughs> that's the only way I can put it. The balls that it has to take to go, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to make my own parachute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty hardcore. And especially to be able to go from yeah, that yeah. and do a good enough job that your buddies are like, yeah, could you make me one? That's epic. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And um, the first, probably the first, like, all big breakthrough, uh, you know, he had some good canopies. And, mm. uh, you know, people liked it. But, um you know, PD had the excalibur, the crossbase canopy, um, they made from a F F one eleven fabric. Yeah. But then um the Z P fabric came on the market and they were actually better than um than, than the Crossbase uh, F one eleven canopy. So yeah. everybody was concentrating on the on the Z P canopies. And that's when Joro was um thinking that okay, so the crossbase canopy was a better structure than um, than the normal nine-cell canopy, and then ZP is better than F111. Why don't we try to put it together? And that's when he made the first um, crossbase um, ZP canopy, mm. which he called, uh, you know, the Mark One Extreme, which was flying great, but it was opening like shit, mm. and he couldn't really like know solve the opening for a long time. And I remember he t- told me that. Um, one morning he woke up, he probably went bed. Uh, went to bed. Um, you know, he was drinking a little bit before he went to bed. <laughs> the next morning he woke up and there was this drawing on, um, on his bedside table. And then he looked at it, and I was like, oh, this is a great idea. And that's when he started closing the nose on, um, on the canopy first mm. and now uh, on the Mark one and then uh, then on the FX and crossfire uh, to control the opening.
0: That's the crazy thing right is is you don't just have to try and figure out the aerodynamics of a canopy in flight, you have to figure out the aerodynamics of a canopy as it opens, which I never yeah, that, that, I never thought about
1: yeah that's, um, that's, um, that's, that's the art, yeah, that's the for art sure. type of it.
0: Now when you started with uh, NZ Aerosports, what were you doing for them?
1: I was making line sets and uh, cutting canopies, rigging. And very soon I realized how how little I know about canopies and <laughs> um, and and how they made and um and the process, and I had so many questions and I wanted to learn everything. Um, yeah, it was just just interesting. Was well,
0: um, so now when you started, uh, um, it wasn't laser cutting canopies and stuff, was it? Where you guys were hand cutting this stuff, weren't you?
1: No, we actually. So there's, there's something else that um that um that Joro uh, did. He he developed this um cutting machine um with a friend here in New Zealand um cutting the canopy with a hot knife uh, blade. Okay. And he actually sold he actually sold this cutting machine all around the world. Um many companies uh you know making parachute had uh, had this uh, cutting table. So he started traveling the um the world and putting in uh, cutting tables for uh Tony Urigalo, he was making um, canopies at the time. I think he sold the first one uh, for him. Mm. And then uh, Precision. Um, and he also sold one for uh, SimSign in Spain. And he got to enroll of people in the industry. And the aerosports was still a really small um, company manufacturing in the garage for France and um, and into the Australian market. We had some good ideas and some good products almost developed. And then that's when Joro met uh, um, George from Precision and um, and Fernando from Simsa. Mm. And uh, they formed um, Icarus Canopies and and started um, marketing and pushing the Icarus, um, Icarus brand around the world. So that's when actually the brand and us
0: started going. Well, and it definitely has. I mean, it, there's there's really only yeah. two. I mean, it's uh, the the different canopies going back and forth that you see in competitions or that everybody's talking about. It's always NZ or it's always Icarus or PD, back and forth and back and forth. Yeah,
1: oh, and- thank you. We like that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, you guys are on the podium all the time these days. Now, I mean, that must just—you guys must be thrilled with how amazing the canopies aren't just received, but how well they perform.
1: Oh yeah, like, you know that's um, that's that's the fun part for us is um, is you know we design and develop these canopies and um, you know we put it out there and just watch what uh, what the what what the scattering. Family does with the with the canopies like you know they um they changing the sport mm. you, know, you 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 make a you make a canopy and um you think okay like you know, this is a good uh good canopy to fly like the cross base canopy back in the days you know the 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 FX and then the velocity and the next thing is um there is a swooping competition or um you know you make a small canopy and then um and then um you see xrw like you know it's a, it's a totally new sport and um you know, it's, you can't plan for that. Just, right, uh, you're giving the tools for the um, for the market, and um, and you know, you watch them go. Beautiful. Yeah, I,
0: I, I honestly, I kind of always imagined that it was you guys would build these canopies and jump them and and figure out what they're good for to some degree, and then get these videos back, going, "Holy shit, they did what with this?" Because <laughs> skydivers are always yeah, going to yeah. push and go a little bit further and a little bit more hardcore. And I mean, watching guys do you know basically ground loops, three sixties, and XRW and all these crazy things that they're doing with your canopies, uh, all the way down to. To jumping the smallest canopies ever. I mean, that's some pretty crazy stuff.
1: That's right. Yeah, like you know, some, sometimes I'm watching it and it's like, oh, I'm not supposed. I'm not sure like if you're supposed to do that with this canopy, <laughs> right? But um, yeah, like you know, I love the footage and um, and um, hey, like you know, there have always been uh, people pushing the the, the, the sport and um, and showing us how far we can go safely. So. You know, I take my hat off for uh, for those people. Sure. You mentioned uh, the you mentioned the smallest canopy. Yes. Um, that's that's a good um, example. Um, Luigi started that with, um, with the with with the VX first, and then then the JVX going from forty one to thirty nine and thirty seven <laughs> square feet, and, um, and then later on um, Ernesto landing the the thirty five square feet and we are actually in um, in a process with uh, with Luigi. he wants to take the the record back with the thirty four square feet Slayer
0: <laughs> I mean that, that's that's a bed sheet that's uh, oh uh,
1: it's um I'm, I'm looking at the panels and it's insane I mean like, you know you you pick up the thing and now uh, and um yeah, it's,
0: Care of me to be honest yeah i mean visually i i see i was i was lucky enough to be around um when the 35 was being jumped uh and seeing it in person and it looked about the same as the kites guys fly on the beach
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: yeah I mean, it's teeny. Well, so what kind of intense design has to go in? Because it's not just a matter of just making it smaller. So much more has got to go into that. I mean, you guys must be putting a ton into it because at the end of the day, it's your name on that canopy that's being flown.
1: Yeah, that's right. And um, and so we have experience with this. Like, know this is not actually something that We've been pushing as um, as a company. I was always like uh, first Luigi approaching us, hey, I'd like to try this. And we were like, Okay, yeah, like how we make it. Obviously, this is also interesting for us. Like mm. this is taking something already extreme into even more extreme, like you know this is um this is um this is interesting for us. Sure. And yeah, like throughout this as we made the smaller canopy and a smaller canopy, we always learn something. So now we have a now we have a checklist of modifications that we have to make on um, on um, on the on the line trim and um, and, um, and the canopy itself um, Obviously it takes uh much longer to make it and I mean it's a world record um, so you can't go smaller and smaller forever forever sure. there's gotta be a point when it doesn't work anymore right. um, but like you, know, you don't know until. Because you know it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,,
1: but, um, but that's a process, I mean, you know these are uh, professional athletes, and um you know they um they collect data and video, and you know they're not just gonna put it up there and sure. um, and see what happens, so they have the whole training plan worked out, and um the owner is gonna do it if they trust that it's actually gonna work, so sure. you know if you know we trust them, they trust us. <laughs> right, right. One of the
0: things that I found most surprising in watching Ernesto and his training and workups to it uh, was that the most critical part for him um, wasn't the flying or the landing, it was the openings.
1: Definitely. It, yeah, I, like, oh, that, uh, that's, that's definitely the scariest part of it. I don't know if you've seen um, any footage of, um, of that canopy malfunctioning.
0: Yeah, I have, and I have never seen anything so... Instantly intense in my life.
1: You don't have much time there, like you know. It's um, it's like you know the the speed and yeah, like you know when when I'm look at it, it's just Jesus.
0: Well, yes. Yeah, so the, the forces involved and the speed with which it happens, it's so instantaneous that, I, I mean, reaction time has got to be insane. And I mean, I watched Ernesto put all kinds of hardcore physical training on himself just to be able to handle the stresses because half a turn into a bad opening and he's struggling to get to the handles. I mean, that's intense.
1: Yeah, you no, know, he's like you know, Ernest like you know, he really put a lot of um, effort and uh, into the whole project. It was really nice to 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 watch him through the whole process and um and um and, and working with him. That's sure. He really
0: now obviously with his uh jumping the thirty five, that was the most extreme case, but as you guys produce these um extremely high performance canopies these cutting edge canopies and these are getting released onto the market are you guys is there a nervousness involved into the the way that the skydivers are going to use it cuz i mean let's face it there's some skydivers that are out there that are super safety conscious and and can handle that hardcore stuff but there's also the ones that are just going to you know crank and yank and go as hard as they can when you put out something new are you ever going oh jeez i wonder how this one's going to be
1: um, yeah, I like mean, like we, we try to put some, um, some rules around of, you know, what, who should be jumping what. Right. And so we're really asking all those details and, and sometimes like, you know, the, something raises a flag. We, we talk to them, we ask around, like, you know, see if they have any coach, um, or, a safety officer, drops down safety officer we can, uh, we can talk to, mm. So the sales team here really, like, you know, trying to do the background check um, to make sure that you know only people are jumping these canopies sure. um, who can actually, you know, land them, jump them safely. But you know, you you never know. At the end of the day, like, yeah. you know, they can make up. Um, you know, it happened with us that uh, that uh, they made up a whole backstory and someone was, you know, covering the whole thing, and we find out. That you know, like we wouldn't even sell a cross canopy for that person, and they ended sure. up uh jumping a layer. So well, that's uh, <laughs> that's sad, but um, we hope that uh, most of the time, the, the skydiving community out on the job zone will take care of it. So, you know, you try to do your part, but there is also that on the other end, um, you know, people will stand up and um, and say something if um, sure. if say something is not right, and well, this usually yeah. happens. And at the end of the day, second hand people... market market is also second hand market is also a funny one. Like you know, you don't really have a control over uh, who are they selling canopies to, sure. and um, you would think that you know you really look at person you're going to sell your canopy to but um it's not always the
0: case yeah and well and uh, i mean at the end of the day people are going to do what they're going to do uh, if someone is bound and determined they- to get their hands on a layer even if they shouldn't be on one eventually they're going to get a hold of one it's going to happen so yeah, that's right.
1: yeah there's
0: there's only so much you can do now does nzro sports do uh do you guys have uh canopy courses and stuff like that
1: no, we don't. But um, you know, most of our athletes like you know, they're running um courses and um and but we reach out to 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 PD coaches as well. So you know, it's not only in or close, you know, circle circle of um of uh, of coaches or friends. Um sure. you know, we, we know people all run the world, obviously. Um this you know, it, this is a small community, so yeah. you can always reach out to and the people appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it, oh, absolutely.
1: Check.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's just the due diligence on everybody's part and it absolutely should be. Now, um so how has COVID been treating you guys? And I mean, I know New Zealand did pretty good uh, all in all and was super good with the lockdown real quick and everything, but uh um have you guys gotten back to jumping?
1: Uh yes, we actually just had another um other um not full lockdown but um um we went back to level three which meant that um lots of companies had to close down including like our drop zones Mm. we just opened up again so what we have here in new zealand is um you know we are lucky as you said um it's a bit of a good news bad news situation sure like now we can open up again and we can operate but um we can't really open the the borders because, um, you know, as soon as we do that, um, we have to close down the whole country again. Sure. The factory is, um, is open and, uh, we are operating. The office is, um, an admin staff, sales team. We are all working from home. Um, so there is a bit of a disconnect between, I feel that is a bit of a disconnect between, um, you know, production staff and, um, and the office. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's temporary. Um, it's nice to be back you... again uh, soon, hopefully, in, yeah. the, in the factory. Obviously, everybody is affected, uh, so we are no uh, different. Um...
0: Yeah, I just saw uh, something recently, um, something about uh, Talpo closing its doors for good.
1: Yeah, they only have a few more weeks. Oh, um, man. And they have two, yeah, like, you know, that's... Um, that's that's really sad and um and it's it's really heartbreaking to see drop zones um struggling and um some of them closing down and um and i guess um it's not the end of it um
2: yeah, yeah I mean, it's,
1: it it is so you know, the 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 whole uh tourist you know the whole carving um industry here is um is based on on tourists oh yeah on the antenna and same in, um, you know, similar in Australia, so you know, no tendons. But um, hey, maybe maybe they will be concentrating more on um, on student training again, and um, you know, pushing people in lockdown, maybe thinking about their life and um and their bucket list, and um and uh, maybe this is going to be some sure. um some new people injected into the sport. Um, well, and I would think in in some
0: in some ways it might be positive in regard to long term and and getting more active skydivers in because now the money that people were going to be spending on those vacations that they can't take anymore. Uh, those people that had that bucket list that, Hey, I always wanted to learn how to skydive, but, and they didn't just spend that money on the trip to Europe, or they didn't just spend that money on the trip to the States. Maybe now they're going to put it back into jumping, which would be amazing.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, some of the drop we, um, you know, we talked to in, um, in Australia, they already testing off the student rigs and pushing for our students. And, um, and, um, because there are no pandems. Hmm. so yeah, I really hope that um, that is actually happening.
0: It's it definitely should be good
1: for it- the sport. Be good for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all of this definitely put an exclamation point on the fact that the, the sport really blossomed and kind of had this huge boom, specifically because of the tandem industry, because we're watching, you know, drop zones kind of going into shock without those tandems. So uh, maybe this push in a new direction and going towards the student stuff will be healthy eventually for everybody, which would be awesome.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, does uh, uh, is there anything new coming down the pipe, uh, canopy wise? Have you guys got uh, any new designs coming? Any new changes?
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, we're always working on um, on new canopies, um, new new ideas. Um, I guess that's the the interesting part of um, of of um, our work. Um, we have two projects. It's been on the pipeline for a long time. Um, one is Anna. It's um It's um, would be a canopy somewhere between um, you know or JFX and um, and Leia. And the other one is P two, which is uh, Petra two. Um, huh. Should be Petra on um, on steroid Jesus. steroids. Um, I mean, like Petra has been. Um, been been jumping it for like you know, eight, nine years now. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we have a lot of experience with, uh, with those canopies. Sure. Obviously, like not being able to, to test jump lately, um, slow down this project a little bit, but uh, hopefully we are not too far with those. And other canopies, yeah, like Student and the Tandem are still two canopies that, um, that we didn't renew. So they are due for um, for uh, for some work at one stage. Okay. Um, we don't have a reserve, so there is a reserve is on um on the drawing table. Oh nice. Drawing board. At one stage. And um, yeah, all the things that you learn from all the high performance canopies, um um they all trickling down into all the other canopies. Sure. Um, don't know, what do you think we should be working on?
0: Well, the performance of your tandem canopy stuff is fantastic. Um, I've always enjoyed that quite a bit. I don't have the balls to jump the Petras and the Leyas, just <laughs> a little out of my range. I started jumping a velocity years ago, and that's as high end as I ever went. Uh, and now these canopies, I watch them come in, uh, and a casual landing is just rocket fast <laughs> compared to what I'm used to. Now, did you do some of the yeah, test jumping same, on all like, that stuff? Yeah, oh, I'm
1: jumping. I'm jump. I'm jumping a sapphire now. Yeah, I used to do. I used to do test jumping. So what's? It, I mean, what's then, it like um, doing test jumping? Then, it,
0: it, you got to be a little bit. Like, I'm assuming that you have a, a triple canopy rig when you're test jumping something, but I mean, it's got to be not always.
1: But yeah, sometimes.
0: no. <laughs>
1: I I just can't no, imagine so, the first guy
0: to jump a, a Petra.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, no, it didn't just happen, um, happen that way. Um, so in 2010, um, we had Julian uh, from France came to visit. Uh, you know, he was, in, he was in New Zealand working with America's Cup, uh, mm. working on, uh, on some, sail, um, some wing sails for sailboats okay. for America's Cup. And he was a skydiver uh, with a few hundred jumps, and he came to, to visit the aerosports. We have people coming to the company factory all the time just to look around. So I did, did a normal uh, factory tour with him, and then at the end he said um, he actually, he think he could help uh, help us with uh, designing canopies. Hmm. And you know that was um, that was different. That was a little bit odd. I didn't know. Or, you know, I couldn't tell if he can or not. If he's bullshitting or uh, or he's he really like you knows he he for real. Hmm and but anyway we kept in touch and um and he came back half a year later um for a project he brought his uh software and um and we started uh working by just recreating the jvx um with his uh, with his software um and and then testing the jvx or jvx that we've been jumping for like you know five years and we had word records with the canopy and his design oh. um, compare Apple to Apple. And yeah, it was good. And then we realized that, um, that with, the, with his um, software bundle and with his brain and uh, with his method, we can actually come up with an idea, um, run the simulation in the CFD the next day. And then in a couple of days, we can pull those panels out Um, make the canopy, and in a week, we can actually jump the canopy. Wow. So we started, um, there was our um, Summer of Love um, R&D project, Mm. and we started our uh, rapid prototyping. Uh, Joro just brought down this long list of ideas that, that he wanted to try, Starting with, let's make it a higher aspect ratio. Let's make it um, more ellipticity on the front, more ellipticity on the back, more ellipticity, you know, around the whole canopy. And always just try one thing at the time. You know, like we, we shape the canopy and then we put it into the CFD. We look at the numbers and the graphs, and if it's looking good, then um, then let's make it, take it out to the drop zone, go back to go back to the factory. Debriefing cocktails, watch the videos, and you know, pick the next target for the next week. Um, it was a great time. Like, you know, we had really great energy, and every canopy we learned something. And uh, some of the stuff I'm looking at it, now it's all on YouTube still. Uh, some of the stuff I'm looking at is like, you know, it's crazy. Huh. Um, and yeah, like well, we've been just jumping it as a main canopy, uh, most of them, you know, high altitude. High jump, high um, hop and pop, and then give it a good trash up high, and you know, if I felt comfortable to to land it, then uh, landed it. If not, then uh, then cut away. That was um, that was the you know, that's that's what we've been doing. I mean, that's and intense. Then... <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Um, but then I started. After a while, we started um, experimenting with. Um, with different rib shapes, and they looked great in the computer. Um, the numbers were just like 10, 12, 15 percent um, um, improvements in, um, in the canopy. Mm. So we definitely wanted wanted to give it a go. So one thing that that you the computer it doesn't tell you is how the canopy is going to open or. How's it going to feel on your controls, front riser, rear riser, brake lines, and also how stable the canopy will be Mm. um, on different. And we made the very first canopy with a different uh, wing uh, rib shape, um, just on um, a JVX platform. That was the canopy we had the most um, experience with. And the canopy was just—you um, touch the front riser, know, and the canopy was collapsing. Ooh! But by then, we had this um, this funny um, three canopy system where you had the two main canopy on. Yeah, it was a um, it was a strange, strange system. Like it was all three canopies on your back, and um, the test canopy—you opened the test canopy first, but you had to cut away. Putting two handles on the front of your um of your risers.
2: Hmm.
1: And then after you, you released that canopy, then they then you had two more canopies, just your like your normal rig on um on the back. And we before Julian went back to to Europe, um we put all our good ideas together into one canopy. Um and that canopy was just—I jumped it. That canopy only have only got one jump. Um, <laughs> we never, we never, we never jumped it again. Um, so it was really fast. I jumped it. It was an eighty-six square feet. We called uh, her Ilona, and I pulled the front riser, and the canopy collapsed and it's inflated again, but it collapsed again and inflated again, and it just went crazy. It shaked me. Up. Around so badly that my feet actually ended up in the line. Oh my god! I don't know how. Um, I I never heard anything like that right. before. So the canopy was. I was I was flying it for like, you know, thirty seconds, forty-five seconds, trying some you know like some deep breaks, some turns, some rear riser a little bit before I touched the front riser, and um, so yeah, now I was uh my 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 right angle was. Uh, right anchor was in the um, between the lines <laughs> and upside down spinning around really fast. I thought I'm going to like pass out, but I couldn't cut away because we all spin out and the handles were between my chest and the riser because the, now the riser was going towards my leg. Anyway, long story short, um, I couldn't cut away. So I just had to pull the reserve Oof. and hope for the best, which I did and it's opened. Um, another reserve was open but this canopy was still around my anchor spinning around so managed to cut it off and land the reserve and yeah like you we know, still have the canopy in the graveyard but um okay. yeah never right. it well, again
0: in the, it's in the bag yeah better to have the canopy in the graveyard than you in the graveyard that sounds like
1: <laughs> yeah exactly fucking, exactly fucking hell but to be honest to be honest that's um uh, that's really changed me like you know after that um, nothing happened. I was fine. Like, you know, I didn't break anything. It was just a, just a really big scare. But, uh, um, the thing that before that I was, I always felt like, you know, that with my experience and, um, and you know, I can handle any situation, but I, on, on that jump, I was lucky. Hmm. And when I went for the next test jump after that, the next canopy was actually Petra and I was still doing a few test jumps on, um, on Petra. But I was not really testing it. I was not really giving it a real go. I was sure. flying it. I was jumping it. I was landing it. But I was I was scared. Sure. You know, by then I could I could just not do what I was doing before. So yeah, I was like, okay, that's not for me anymore. Let's uh, let someone else do it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would think with a situation like that, and I suppose a lot of skydivers have it at some point, you have an incident like that that uh, kind of taps you on the shoulder and reminds you, hey, uh, this shit's for real, uh, and it could go badly. And it's, uh, it's a reality check for me when you realize that luck actually does play a part in some of this stuff, and that's I don't like luck. It makes me really nervous. Yeah, same. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah same. I, I, same, I, same. Same, same. Like, you know, a... yeah, l- like, you know, you can only be lucky so many times.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And eventually, y- y- you can't help but think, all right, one of these times, it's not going to work out quite as well. Yeah, the whole test pilot thing, man, that was just never my thing. <laughs> I'll leave that to, to much bolder guys than me.
1: So while I was doing it, I loved it. Like, you know, I was part of something that uh that like i always wondered like you know how did they get to this canopy how did they develop um you know um i still to how did they develop um the the, the vx and then uh, then the jvx and i was i was part of that that process mm. and my feedback after the jump like you know everybody was like i you know, was designing they were listening to my feedback they watched the video and so I was part of the process of, of of making it better, like you know, prototype after prototype after prototype. So that was actually really like so I loved it. Sure. Um so it was my thing while it lasted, but uh, then um, then yeah, like you know, this came along and um
0: well it- yeah, like, you, know, you don't want Back. yeah i mean eventually you just kind of got to go okay yeah that was good but i mean you've got children now and all that stuff so that's got to play a part in it too i mean actually,
1: actually yeah actually my son my son was on the drug zone then oh so he just watched everybody like you know being really scared and running around and you know so he'd scared him as well like. sure
0: yeah I mean that had to play a huge part in the decision to back off a little bit because i mean uh, as soon as the kids are involved and if he got scared because of something that dad's doing, that's got to be a reality check
1: yeah yeah
0: so now yeah. what so but, uh, you you went from that into your current position
1: now i was um uh, I was already general manager of um of aerosport, so I'm actually like' you know, skip that part. So I started working there in '95, mm. making line sets and rigging. And back then the company was really small. We only made about six canopies in a week, and um, we had two sewing machinists. It was a small, really chilled lifestyle business. Sure. You know, it was it was really nice. And um, <clears throat> the general manager um, had some um, family issues at the time, so he was away a little bit. Um, and he always gave me the phone asked me to you know like to take an order, to answer an email, to charge a credit card, to ship a canopy, so and I, I was eager to learn about everything and anything. Mm. Um and, and I've only been there for maybe half a year. Then um he said, sorry, like no, I I I can't do the work right now any longer. And then Joro asked me if I wanna do it. So I only been there for, for half a year and then you know I became manager uh, of the company.
0: <laughs> that's kind of, that's oh. a hell of a tour.
1: That's right. Yeah, I was, um, I was at the right place at the right time. Mind you, it was a little bit different. So, half of my time was still on production. I still cut all the canopies. Mm. I still did all the shipping and, you know, did some quality control by then. i taking the orders, emails, and um, just learning on, um, learning on the fly. It was, um, and then, We started growing um, a little bit, started in 2007, 2008. And then when we started developing new canopies and making a little bit noise around the world and uh, people started noticing us, and that's when we really actually put an effort into into growing and uh, became the company that uh, we are today. Sure. Well,
0: I mean, I can remember too. I I think I had just started flying uh, Velocity, uh, and all of a sudden there was this icarus canopy out there that was starting to make some real noise and then it was icarus this and icarus that and it became this back and forth battle of uh what are you on you on a pd or you on an icarus are you flying this are you flying that and that's when uh um i mean that you guys must have just been over the moon thrilled because it like i said it's, oh yeah
1: like
0: it's it's 100 those...
1: percent. i mean like you know, pd pd always like you know pd always on it like you know they had a, a back in the day like you know. There was Team Extreme, but that was like you know, in in 2001, 2003, and then after that, you know, PD owned it. Um, We only had few canopies on competition. We always had some really talented, really good competitors. Like you know, there is Nick Batch. He was um, he was just keep taking the the world records, the distance records. Sure. But there was not many not many competitors flying or canopies. And I look at it now, and it's a uh, and it's half half and. Yeah, exactly. We are thrilled to see that. Oh yeah, but, no, it's um, it's
0: amazing. Well, but, and and the fact of the matter is, all the canopies that are being put out are, are they're fantastic canopies, um, but of course they're always going to be measured by what the champions are doing. So if you guys are battling back and forth all the time for for the podium with PD, that's pretty epic. Yes, they, yeah, And
1: I mean, like the competition, the soup competition is the is the best place to decide, um, you know, what
0: canopy flies, you know, how well. For sure. Fly. For sure. Absolutely. Well, and it's also very cool that in the realm of, of uh, um, sports, the most visible part of skydiving for most people nowadays is either guys flying down mountains in wingsuits or canopy stuff because that's what spectators can see. Um, and it's, it's uh, uh, yeah. just, a, you know, an in-your-face uh, part of the sport, which is super cool.
1: Yeah, like um, oh, I'm, I'm, like you know, when I watch these guys flying you know, today in um in a competition, and the speed and the distance, and it's just like <laughs> it's crazy. Amazing.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Especially considering where you've come from in Hungary, flying round parachutes uh, at sixteen years old. <laughs> you know, and now you're you're running the company that's putting out some of the most cutting edge canopies on the planet. It's that's a hell of a ride.
1: That's right, yeah, and um, yeah, it's not the end of it.
0: No, no, God no! I, I'd say there's a lot more to come. Uh, speaking of which, uh, for those that are listening, as we wrap things up, how do people uh, hop onto the website to find out more about the canopies, more about the company, and more about you? What is uh, NZ Aerosport's website?
1: Yeah, you can go to EnzierraSports.com or you can use Canopies.com, and um, yeah, like I will check out all the um, you know all the, all the canopies. Or uh, contact the team to live chat.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now, do you guys uh, run a, an Instagram or a Facebook page as well?
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. Like, you know, the um, NZ Aero Sports, um, Icarus Canopies by NZ Aero Sports is, um, is our um, Facebook page. Okay. Yeah, right. Like, so um, like how we have lots of uh, world champions and uh, record holders. and um,
0: Yes, and- you do.
1: What, what they do with the canopy is amazing. But uh, also just for now on Instagram, I see someone, um, someone posting about, um, being happy on, about, um, receiving, um, a sapphire and, um, and putting a post up on, um, of the canopy still in the bag. Um, that's just. Just, just a cool thing to see. Oh, yeah.
0: No, absolutely. Well, and, and just seeing the, the – because you've got such a wide range of canopies out there for all experience levels, and it's got to be very uh, heartwarming to see how well-received everything is and how much fun people are having with it. And hopefully COVID gives us all a break and we're all able to get out and enjoy the, the air a hell of a lot more than we have been.
1: That's right. Go strong again in 2021.
0: Yeah, man. We'll see what happens. But Attila, I got to thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me and fill us in a little bit about uh, yourself and about uh, NZ Aerosports and Icarus. I really uh, appreciate the time.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Good talking.
0: Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by... Well, wait. Not as always, actually brought to you now by gyro formerly known as nz aerosports you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies by pussfoot the extreme sports collective head over to pussfoot.com to check it out by summit parachute systems check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs rigging courses and more by flyaway indoor skydiving Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting edge stuff to come. Buy Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh, <laughs> oh,